Our scripture reading this morning is in the book of Exodus. It's Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. And what we're doing this morning is we're continuing to move ahead through biblical history as we look at heroes of the faith of the Old Testament. Um, just as we think about this text, um, when we're in the Old Testament, we've got to remember that even though Jesus hasn't come yet, that's in the New Testament, in the Gospels there, still, the Old Testament is all about Jesus. We can't forget that. Jesus himself says that in John 5, that the whole Old Testament is about him. So even these scripture texts, like the one this morning, about events long before Christ's coming, these two are speaking to us of Jesus and his coming work of salvation. And so we can learn much about our faith, about our God, and about God's grace in the Old Testament and in our text this morning. Our text is Exodus 2, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. Now, a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, and we're not totally sure what that means. It could mean that he was healthy and a beautiful child. It might mean that she saw God's hand and God's spirit in him. So it might not just be that he was a cute baby. It could be something more. In fact, very likely is. Um, When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. And then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to him, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. That's God's word for us this morning. With this birth of Moses, the time of Moses, the beginning of the book of Exodus, we've entered into a new period in this unfolding history of the coming of Jesus. We're at a point where God's people, who were once a primarily a family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this people have now become a whole nation of people, not just a family. The nation of Israel, and, and they're learning what it means to be a covenant people. They're learning what it means to live as God's covenant people. Well, we're God's covenant people today too. We're on the other side of the cross from the people in Exodus, so there are definite 
differences, but there are a lot of similarities too because he is the same God. And the first thing we see this morning is here is how families live in faith. Hebrews 11 is a famous chapter on heroes of the faith and lists a bunch of heroes of the Old Testament of faith. And when Hebrews talks about Moses, it doesn't start with Moses. Hebrews starts with the faith of Moses' parents. And what we see here is how families of faith make bold decisions against all odds. This family of faith does you and I, as families of faith, are called to make bold decisions against all odds. Verse 1 is pretty straightforward. Two people get married. We know from elsewhere in the Bible their names. How many of you know their names? I'm not going to ask you to say them. If you know their names, I'm trusting that if you raise your hand, you're right. I know Sarah does. Because we talk about this is a great Bible trivia question for you around the table or whatever. No one else, honestly? Amram and Jochebed. Sarah's mom, thank you. And Amram and Jochebed. So odd names, but a normal situation other than the odd names. A normal situation because people get married every day. But then it gets strange. Jochebed, the mother, hid the child for three months. Now that's weird. Boys and girls, can you imagine having a brother or sister, this cute little baby, and then hiding him away? Well, that just never happens. We show people our new babies. I see it at church when there are new little ones. We show a baby at baptism up front and we show our family and friends. Our oldest, Olivia, was born in Michigan where all our family lives and I can still picture that hospital room after her birth packed with our brothers and sisters and parents. Chapter 1 tells us why this mother did this unusual thing. It was to save him from certain death. Moses was born after an edict given by Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Egyptians enslaved the people of Israel for fear they'd take over because there was so many of them. As God had promised to their forefather Abraham, his descendants were now multiplying like crazy, having kids growing. The Egyptians were scared. As an additional measure, beyond slavery to keep them down and control the population, Pharaoh now commanded that every baby born would have to be thrown in the Nile River. Not every baby, every baby boy. And that was so over time, the Israelite women would have no choice but to start marrying Egyptian men, and, and then he could dilute the population that way and kill off the men at the same time. Terribly evil. It, it reminds us of the killing of babies today through abortion in our land. And you think of all that, and then you start to think of what it took for these two even to get married. 
to make that decision. The people were in slavery. They estimate that under hard labor like this, something like 10% of the slaves would die off every year. On Friday, in our church, Jennifer Engbers got married with life expectancy at, I don't know what it is exactly, I know it's 75 plus years and growing. She and Daniel can expect, you know, Lord willing, maybe 50 plus years of marriage together. But in our text, neither husband or wife would live very long at all. Who gets married in a situation with absolutely no future? Well, Amram and Jochebed did. Why? It's because they lived by faith, as Hebrews tells us. In a humanly hopeless situation, they were looking to their God and clinging to the promises of God that went way back, that he would rescue his people and that they'd have a future by going back to the promised land that he promised to Father Abraham long ago. And so they moved forward in faith in their lives. They married in the Lord. They trusted in the promises of their God in an evil, evil time. And then beyond that, you think of the prospect of bringing kids into the world in this sort of situation. You know, today we think of having children, and and as parents, believing parents, uh, we almost think twice sometimes about bringing our children into this world with its troubles, the increasing secularization of our culture, and you're like, what kind of world am I bringing my kids into? We think that sometimes. Well, think about having children and knowing for certain their future would be one of being a, a slave. They were bringing kids into the world to become slaves, and they knew it, but they did it. They had Aaron, they had Miriam, and then this evil edict comes, and they still went forward. And they had a third baby who was a boy. How could they do all of this? Only through faith. Only faith could give them hope beyond their circumstances. They went forward against all the odds That is the power, friends, of simple faith in the Lord. They had Moses, and they hid him. They trusted in God to work it out. And of course, God did work it out in an amazing way. Pharaoh's daughter found him and had pity. Moses' sister Miriam was hiding nearby, came out, suggested that she could find someone to nurse the baby. That made sense to the princess. So Miriam went and got her mother. So not only was Moses saved, but Moses' own mother got to nurse him until he was old enough, and she got paid to do it. Did you catch that? God blessed this family of faith making bold decisions in a hopeless and hostile situation. And I want us to think, what about us today? We are raising families in a foreign land. The same satanic forces behind Pharaoh's oppression of the people of God, they exist today. They're trying to stamp out the promises of our God. Our culture seems to be getting worse, more and more antagonistic to the church. Do we wilt as God's people? Do we hold back because of fear? Are we paralyzed? Or do we make bold decisions of faith today? 
people of faith. Let's build homes of faith today. If God blesses us with the ability to bear children, let's fill this land and this community and these pews with children of faith. God's people don't cower because of hostility to Christianity. What might being bold in faith look like for your household? Where are you hesitant? Where are you fearful? Is a fear about your finances holding you back from making faith-filled decisions? Put God's will for your family first, not your fear, and just see what he will do. Are God's people being bold to make decisions today counter to our culture, like preserving one day in seven for rest and worship, and setting our families free from the rat race of the other six days. That takes faith to do that. That takes boldness, friends, men, leading your homes. To be a people of faith will mean we look and act different from the world around us, not try to blend in and look the same. Are we making decisions to look and act different? The specifics of how this looks and needs to work out need to be discerned by each household. And I'd encourage you to pray and seek God's face and ask Him for grace and courage and wisdom to discern what bold, faith-filled decisions will look like in your home. Talk about it as a husband and wife. Talk about it with your children. Read the Word. Amram and Jacob had put their faith in God's word and his promises, and he did not fail them. Though Moses' parents couldn't have possibly known this, we'll find that through this baby hid in the reeds, God was going to work and bring deliverance and keep his promises and rescue his people. This baby Moses would point ahead to Christ who would come into the world and truly deliver his people. In him... We read in the New Testament, all the promises of our God are yes and amen for the people of God. As a church, as a community of faith, with the name faith, let's continue to encourage our families like like the Claussens and everyone else to stand for the Lord today, to make godly decisions because our God will not fail us. He will keep His people He will complete his plan. Though the future can be scary and we can worry, we cannot go wrong. God will surely bless our families today when we make faith-filled decisions that honor his word. One more thing we see this morning in this text. We see the call for individuals to make faith-filled decisions to be counted with the people of God. Hebrews 11, when it talks about Moses, talks about his parents, and then it next says he was faithful to God by refusing to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter when he grew up. Instead, what happened is he chose to be identified with his people, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, as they're called in this text. So after Moses' mom was done nursing him, Moses was raised in Pharaoh's court, He lived in luxury. He would have received the best secular education in the world of that day. But then at some point, 
We don't read the details of how that happened. It's not given to us. But at some point, he must have broken ties with his adopted home. He knew where he came from. He knew he was a descendant of Abraham. He knew he was a child of the covenant. He knew he was a child of God. Moses made a distinct choice to be with the people of God. And Hebrews 11 says he did that rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. And so what we see here is a decision to choose to be part of God's people rather than associate with the world. And that's a choice each one of us is called to make today. Young people and students, you can live like the world or you can live for the Lord and for His people. You know, sometimes students, even within the community of believers, friends can make wrong decisions. But you don't have to. Moses chose the Lord. Moses chose the church. And he chose what was best and right. And that was a decision of faith. As Exodus would go on, the Lord would make crystal clear to his people what the life of faith would look like. He gave them his law, the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. Old Testament Israel, like God's people today, were called to be a blessing to others, a blessing to the nations. Well, in order to be a blessing, we need to be shown and we need to know the difference between a life of faith and a life without God. Well, the Ten Commandments show us the life of faith, the way to blessing. They show us how every area of our life can be lived before our covenant God. Students, young people, each one of us, we're called to live in faith as we make day-to-day decisions. Identify our lives with the Lord and with His people, with the church. So, This chapter, these verses, Moses' birth and his early life, they show us a life of faith. And God's word today invites families to make bold decisions for the Lord. God's word invites all of us individuals to choose God and his ways and his people rather than the ways of the world. There's just one not-so-small problem with that call as we hear it. We've blown it. Christian families have not always made courageous decisions of faith, and instead sometimes we've wimped out because of fear. Fear of the future, fear of the world, what people will say, anxiousness about finances, whatever. As individuals, we've often chosen a path other than the Lord's. Some of us have wandered from the church. We've blatantly disobeyed God's law. We failed to live as children of the promise. And as we look at our own lives, reflecting on God's call in this text to us, and as we look more deeply at the story of Moses as it goes on, we've just been able to scratch the surface. There's so much on Moses. But we see as we go on that there's an even bigger problem, if you can believe it. There's an even bigger problem than Pharaoh and being a slave in Egypt. And the problem's a problem in people's hearts. It's our sin. 
Sin enslaves us, and we need rescue from that most of all. And that explains the story, if you remember it, of the burning bush, where later on, when Moses was older, God would reveal himself to Moses in a very special way. It was in this bush that was on fire, but it never burned. And we're shown there, in the midst of God rescuing his people from Egypt, something else, something deeper, something even more important. What we're shown is that our God is holy, and we are not. And it's only by his grace and his mercy for his people that we're not consumed. Because we can mess up so much to be a people of faith and needs, need God's grace so much, I think Hebrews 11, of all the different things it shares about Moses' life, next and also brings up the Passover and refers to the sprinkling of the blood at the Passover. The Passover was the precursor to the Lord's Supper. Moses would lead the people out of slavery later on in the book of Moses. Just before that leading out, God commanded that the people of Israel would put the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their homes, and that would spare their home from death. So the blood of the lamb would save his people. Jesus is called the Lamb of God in the New Testament when he comes on this earth. The Passover in Moses' day looks ahead to Jesus who saved us through his sacrifice on the cross. We've made mistakes. But the Bible says that all who are covered in the blood of the Lamb are saved. There's power in the blood to save you. However great your sin, however many your failures, because of the finished work of Jesus, you can be saved. Maybe you look back and you're disappointed in yourself about some of the decisions you made for your family. Maybe you look back and you're disappointed about some of the decisions you made personally in your own life. The reality is, you can start fresh today. You can get on track. You can look forward from here in faith because of the blood of Jesus. You can call out to Him and He will receive you. And you can have a place, the church, where we together live the life of faith and are built up in the Word and the Spirit with fellow believers and together we can boldly live faith-filled lives for the glory of our God, no matter what everyone else is doing around us. Amen?